0: Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that, and if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You could do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much, and have a blessed day. Uh,
1: This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of James, chapter 1, starting at verse 19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless." Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Hey y'all, how are you?
0: I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so this is going to be fun. Uh, my name's Brittany, I'm the pastor, and um, <clears throat> let's begin today with some prayer. God, you give us the words in your scripture that sometimes seem really harsh and really pointed. Open our hearts to this book of James. Open our hearts to catch a vision of a just world. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our open hearts acceptable to you and pleasing to your sight. Oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I did uh, my student teaching a number of years ago, I discovered that I really enjoyed working with middle school students. And once I graduated, I only applied for jobs at middle schools. I got really lucky and ended up at this fantastic middle school that um, that fall it was announced that they had won the one of the they were one of a few national blue ribbon winners. And I believe it was in thanks to this, thanks to this incredible leadership by the principal, Dr. Carol Stack. Um, she immediately stood out to me, even in the job interview. She, it was clear that she commanded the room. There was this healthy rapport between her and staff. Um, And I didn't sense fear from them um, or resentment, but just a lot of respect. Everybody wanted to, like, be great. Um, As I spent time listening to her in one-on-one conversations and in faculty meetings, I, too, started to catch this vision of a school that she wanted to build. It wasn't just enough that we were a, a blue ribbon winner. She wanted to have way, find ways for us to resource um, more of the vulnerable students. She wanted to beef up our basketball team. She wanted us to um, have a spelling bee champion. Um, it was clear that each of us had a part to play. Each of us were to get our hands and feet dirty to build this vision of a school that she cast. <clears throat> this is... A small way of saying, this is what happens when we pray. When we spend time with God, when we significantly sit and listen with God, we begin to catch this vision, this vision that is so much bigger than ourselves. We catch it when we take communion. We catch it when we read scripture. We catch it when we talk and pray with one another this vision that God has, we are all to participate in it, all to get our hands and feet dirty and do something about it. This is kind of um, what James was talking about in our scripture passage today. James is an interesting little epistle. Some people call it an epistle. Others call it a wisdom book like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. Traditionally, a lot of people thought that it was written by Jesus' brother, James, um, it could be. It also might be, have been written by uh, Jesus' cousin or somebody else. We, we don't really know. But what we do know is that he was writing it to Jewish Christians who had, had fled, who had been scattered outside of Israel. And the author really wanted them to mature in their faith. Just a couple of sentences before in verse 6, um, James tells them to seek God's wisdom. Which another way of that is to, to say to pray, right? To seek God's wisdom, to, to catch the vision that God is casting. James knew that maturing in faith, it's, it's an intentional journey of opening ourselves to God's wisdom and guidance and vision for this world. And, and as Christians, when we look in the, um, to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, we see over and over again that a mature faith rooted in seeking God's wisdom through prayer leads us to doing something, right? Jesus, he spent a lot of time in prayer, and he also spent a lot of time with people, listening to them, reaching out to them, healing them. And so James is saying we want to be not just hearers of the word, but also doers. This vision that Jesus cast, he calls it the kingdom of God. And it can only happen when we all participate in it. When we march for justice or when we serve um, in a soup kitchen or when we care for others who are um, grieving, this is all part of bringing together the kingdom of God. James wanted to make sure that early Christians knew that faith wasn't just this checklist. Read scripture, check look really holy, check. Like, that wasn't the point. The point was that scripture and prayer, that these were things that allowed us to grow more in love with God and catch that vision, right? So the point of Christianity is maturing in our faith. It's transformation, right? It's being builders of this thing we call the kingdom of God. Um, So this is what Jesus came to proclaim. This is the vision he cast. Desmond Tutu calls it God's dream. Now, you guys might be thinking about right now, well, uh, Brittany, we're supposed to be talking about praying. Why are you talking about doing? I already do enough. I need to learn how to pray. Well, this week, what we're talking about, can you bring up the um, slide that's the order of um, prayer? We've been looking at this collect, and... um, we've kind of been working our way through, and this week we're in the so what portion. God, we want you to do these things so that, I I didn't mean so what, so that, so that this can happen. And what we need to know is that we are often that answer to other people's prayers. There's a little, I don't know, it's probably like a pastor's joke or something, but you've heard the story about the guy that, um, is stuck in the flood. The flood waters are starting to come to his house, and um, a woman from the rescue mission comes and says, come with me before the water gets too high. No, no, I'm praying. I'm waiting on God. So the water starts creeping up into his house, and um, he's sitting on his porch at this point, and a boat comes by. Hey, come, get in, come in. No, I'm praying. I'm waiting on God to answer my prayer. Um, And then... um, keeps flooding, now he's on the roof of his house and a helicopter comes, hey come get in, get in. No, I'm praying, I'm waiting on God to answer my prayer. So then um the water keeps going and he drowns and dies. End of story. No, not really. Um and he gets to heaven and he says, God, I prayed and prayed and prayed, why didn't you answer my prayer? And God's like, what are you talking about? I sent a rescue team, a canoe, helicopter, right? We are each other's answers to prayer, right? And it's important that we realize that our actions have those implications. Uh, During the Civil Rights Movement, Rabbi Abraham Heschel marched um, in Selma, and he said, when I marched in Selma, I felt my legs were praying. I felt my legs were praying. Prayer is not just sitting with our hands folded and our heads bowed, but it's sitting with our hands and feet extended out into the world, caring for others. There were thousands and thousands of brave things, or as James might say, say, doings, thousands and thousands of ways that people did um, in the civil rights movement. It was people listening to God. In, in history books, we read and we see it was this great movement. But from a faith perspective, we can look at it and see, man, that was God moving. That was God. Those people being open to God's whisper and hearing a desire for justice from people, and and people answering each other's prayers. Right. So there were um, thousands of ways that this happened. I want to. I want to tell one small way that this happened. When I was in seminary, we had a retired bishop in residence. His name was Bishop Bevel Jones. And he taught some of the UMC polity courses. And I think this is the guy. um, No, I won't say that. Never mind. He taught some of the UMC polity courses. And I'll be honest, he was retired Southern preacher, good old boy. So I wasn't sure what to do with him, right? I mean, it can go in either way, let's be honest. Just the Christian thing, right? Like, you just aren't sure. Um, But I actually found out he was a really awesome guy. In 1957, he was in his early 30s. And he was serving a church that he planted, by the way, which is also really cool. Um, And Bishop Jones, he was one of 80 Atlanta clergy folks, that published a statement known as the Ministers' Manifesto. So just to remind you of some history, this was 1957. In 1954, three years earlier, was the Supreme Court ruling for integration in Brown versus the Board of Education. And there was this massive resistance across the Deep South as individual states declared that they would continue to segregate education. It's kind of, it was kind of like, but way worse, like when healthcare reform passed, and states were like, we're not doing it, right? It was just resistance. Um, in uh, Georgia, the legislature passed a constitutional amendment allowing public schools to become private if there was a court ordered um, desegregation. So then, if they were private, they didn't have to desegregate. Following the violence um, to desegregate Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, these 80 ministers had this manifesto printed in Atlanta Papers. Now, to be honest, if you look at the manifesto nowadays, it's actually pretty mild, to be honest. Um, They weren't even actually endorsing integration in schools, but they were asking for folks to follow the law and to preserve public schools that would help to to strengthen interracial dialogue. So back in 2007, it would have been the 50th anniversary of this manifesto. NPR did a retrospective on this statement. And the Reverend Joseph Lowry, who um, is also a United Methodist minister, so that's kind of cool, he's a renowned civil rights leader and the founder of the Southern Christian Leadership Network. He um, was talking and he said that, this manifesto may seem mild and cautious in retrospect, but it was bold for the time, and it had a sobering and calming effect on people across the South. I want to read you just a little bit of this letter because when I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like they read the book of James and then wrote this letter, which makes sense because they were like all ministers, right? But so they begin the letter by saying that they were writing in a spirit of deep humility and penitence for our own failures which I thought was pretty beautiful. And they closed the letter this way. Our difficulties cannot be solved in our own strength or in human wisdom. It is appropriate, therefore, that we approach our task in a spirit of humility, of penitence, and of prayer. It is necessary that we pray earnestly and consistently that God will give us wisdom to understand his will, that he will grant us the courage and faith to follow guidance of his spirit. To such, a pray, to such prayer and obedience, we would dedicate ourselves and summon all men of goodwill. Didn't that sound like kind of James, right? Like if we are rooted in prayer, they really felt if they were rooted in prayer and God's wisdom, then the, the, the right answer was very obvious. If we could all have just been rooted in prayer. Their action, being a doer of faith, it was a small piece. I'm not. I'm not trying to overplay, um, and especially the um, because Bevel Jones is white. I'm not trying to make it be like oh, but it was a small piece of him doing what God called him to do to help the civil rights movement. Right? There were thousands and thousands of people who prayed. And then who lived out their faith. We saw um, three weeks ago the picture of the children who were arrested, right? Black children who were arrested. That was an answer to someone's prayer because it pushed the movement forward. We saw, um, we've saw. we talked about people that marched and sat at um, counters. They, those folks were acting out of their faith. They were living into being an answer to God's prayer, to prayers to God. <clears throat> they were helping to usher in the kingdom of God, right? Now, it's beautiful to look and see, like, oh, that was so awesome. But also, like, we're not there yet, right? There's still work to do. We have not yet dismantled, as Daryl pointed out, we have not yet dismantled white supremacy, right? Uh, there's still this persuasive issue of gun violence in our country. And I see another movement that's getting... Built with students in Florida. Check out this sign. Is a picture coming up? <clears throat> the sign says prayers and condolences aren't enough. Our prayer, our government officials need to take action or step down.
1: I love that because.
0: Um, I read one time that if your prayer life is not changing you, if it's not making you more open, more compassionate, more called to action, then you're probably not doing it right. Now, I don't mean to be judgy about, like, because I think people have a lot of stuff wrapped up in prayer, like, am I doing it right? And I don't want to be like, you're not doing it right. But if our time in prayer is to be spent understanding God and God's vision, listening then of course it's going to create within us a more compassionate, justice-oriented person, right? So prayers and condolences are not enough if we just hold our hands together and bow our heads. We have to get our hands and feet dirty as well. I have to say that as a parent... I'm terrified of gun violence in schools. My daughter came home from school, um, you know, in October or something, and she said, oh, yeah, we did a lockdown drill today in, class, in school. And I just think, like, my kindergartner now knows how to hide under her desk in case somebody comes in to shoot up the classroom. And that's, that's the solution I remember when I heard that, I said, oh my God, why does it have to be this way? And these students are answering my prayer. This is how prayer works, folks. We hear God's vision, and the thing is, the world is There's a lot of brokenness in this world and we can't all take on every task, right? There's only one person that did that and that was Jesus Christ. But God has put something in you. Maybe it's a restlessness, but it's a vision for something to be better. And only you can do it. I want to end with, um, we've been doing prayer practices, and so I want to end with a prayer practice that has to do with hands. I've been talking about how our prayers are lived out in our hands and our feet. So I want you to think about your hands and um, what only you and your hands can do that God has gifted you to do. It might be environmental justice, it might be... um, What's the thing you're working on? The transformation project? reformation Reformation project? I I don't even know. See, there's so many issues, right? It might be health care. It might be um, we have someone in our congregation that wants to discover new medicines. God has gifted you to do something with your hands that only you can do. So I want you to center yourself and look at your hands. As you inhale and exhale, open and close your hands slowly. Think freely of all the things your hands have touched in your life. Inhale deeply and receive the life of touch your hands carry that can't be put into words. I would call that God. As you move on with your day, try to emanate what your hands carry without saying a word, what your hands are called to do without saying a word. Amen.